Thank you for joining us in our Luke series, the most important story ever told. Here's a premise statement I would make for you. In order for a plant to grow and in order for a plant to flourish, it has to be in the right soil. It's got to be in the right soil. And if you're going to grow spiritually, it is absolutely essential that your spiritual heart be right before the Lord. When it is, you end up being able to produce uh, fruit, and God wants us to be uh, fruit producers, if you will, spiritual people that produce spiritual fruit. Luke chapter 8, when we dive into it, is all about the soil of your heart. Now, as Jesus gets into this teaching, you'll find that it is a it's called a parable. And you go, I'm kind of new to the church, new to the faith. What is a parable? The word uh, parable comes from two words, para. It means to come alongside. Uh, Balo means to cast or to throw. So when you ponder a parable, it's where Jesus is using a teaching. He's casting and throwing something alongside another truth to compare it and contrast it, if you will. So when you read a parable, you go, what is that? Para, come alongside to cast and throw, and he's going to make some comparisons and contrast as he gets into this. So why did Jesus use parables? People ask that. It's like, why did he use these parables? The disciples are like, why did you, why, why do you want to use parables? Two things, two things. Don't miss this. The reason Jesus uses parables and even the, the reason we use stories and illustrations and parables with our kids at times is one is to reveal truth to them that they can, they can understand. Jesus says another reason I use parables is to conceal truth from those who have a hard heart. So if you've got an open heart that you really want to honor God, that's what he says in verse 10 of chapter 8. To you it has been granted, to you, the disciples, those that are leaning in saying, yeah, we want to know you. It's been granted to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is in parables so that they may see and not see and hearing, they, they won't even understand. So he uses parables for two reasons, to reveal and to conceal. Now, this is a powerful passage here, starting in verse 4. When a large crowd was coming together, those from various cities were starting to join in with Jesus. Jesus spoke by way of a parable. you got all this crowd, all these people, who knows their why for showing up, and he's speaking in parable. He goes, the sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road. It was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky soil. As soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture and it had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it choked it out. Now, other seed fell into good soil and grew up and produced a crop 100 times as great. As Jesus said these things, he would call out and say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. A couple of observations out of the gate. One, realize the potential of the seed. Realize the potential of the seed. Every seed has the potential to reproduce itself many times over. It's been said that you can count, you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples 
and the seed. You you can look and cut an apple open and go, look at all these seeds. But if you plant those seeds and those seeds mature and they get to a place of multiplying, you're like, oh, never saw that many seeds being birthed from that one seed. So it's gardening time, right? So we got some squash in the ground, and, and we've got some tomatoes and all this stuff. And it's like, man, we're, we're really excited to see uh, what it's going to do throughout this summer, right? And we want to eat tomatoes later on and squash later on. And Barb's got her fingers crossed that I don't screw it up and I don't oversaturate it and do all this stuff with it. But, but when you plant that, you're really wanting produce off of it. That's the reason you plant it, Right? It is true with the seed of the gospel. When the seed of the gospel takes root in a desperate, hungry heart, watch what God is able to do. The key is the soil of our heart has to be right in order for it to receive from God and then for it to be able to reproduce. The soil of our hearts, that's what we're going to build on that today, becoming desperate. God, what do you desire for my life? I desire for the soil of your heart to be so right so that when the seed of the word falls into it, you produce a harvest. That's, that's what I want, okay? So what's the progression? It starts with what we call salvation. All right, salvation is where we repent and we believe in Jesus as being Savior, Lord, and Messiah. I have entered into salvation. I believe in him. Then we move towards sanctification, and this is where we become like him. So we believe in him, and as we hang with him, and the more we walk with him, we start to become like him. And as a result of the seed being in our lives, the seed of the gospel, the more we believe in him, and the more we become like him, the more we move into spiritual transformation and formation where we start to behave like him. Did y'all get that? So the seed is never planted. So listen to this, Southern culture, listen to me. The seed is never planted so that you just experience salvation. A lot of people think, well, man, I, I know I've been saved. I believed in him. Here's my question. Have you moved into sanctification as the seed takes root? And are you becoming like him, and are you moving toward deeper spiritual renovation of the heart and transformation where you're starting to behave like him, where his will is starting to become your will, and and his desires are starting to become your desires, are you seeing fruit? And the problem with a lot of Southern churches over the years is, man, you've got to repent, you've got to turn, and you've got to come to Christ, and people walk out, pray prayers, get in tanks of water, I believe, but they never become and they never behave. Y'all with me? It's the problem with the soil in our culture. Now, here's here's the thing I'm going to build on throughout the rest of it. So you've got to realize the potential of the seed, but you've got to recognize that the problem is with the soil. The four soils. The first soil is the beaten path. That's what he calls it in Scripture. In my own words, I got all C's to go with these. I would say the beaten path is the calloused heart. It's calloused. The ground is hard. It's well-traveled, he said, and the birds of the air come in and just snatch the seed. There's people that I meet that have calloused hearts. We'll unpackage that. The second soil is rocky. 
And, and the word I would use there is it's become tremendously contaminated. The seed tries to grow, but the rocks suffocate and press down on the seed. No life can happen. Third, you've got the soil that is infested with thorns. And the thorns ends up soaking up all the moisture and the nutrients, and it chokes out it just ends up suffocating the seed, chokes it out so that it can't grow. There were these large bushes back in that day in Jesus' time, these large bushes that had these long, uh, big thorns on it, and these thorns were poisonous, and farmers would not even get close to that because if you got pricked by a thorn, it would cause like this nasty uh, infection in your body, and you would have this wound, and it's, it's bad. My, my mom, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to her and asking her how she was doing, and she told me she'd gone to the doctor, and they, they had to cut her toe open. And I'm like, cut your toe open for what, mom? And she had on some sliders, and she was outside knocking around, and bam, a thorn went in her toe. And she said, I thought I pulled it out, but the poison inside, it got all the way down to the bone, and, and they had to go in there and dig it out. Thorns. Thorns are poisonous. And uh, I, I don't know, living out there where I do now, I'm amazed that thorns grow faster and briars grow faster than what you want to grow. You ever notice that? But then he talks about the fourth soil. And uh, the third soil, I would say, is compromised. The fourth soil is committed. And this is dark, rich uh, soil. It's got incredible nutrients in it. Uh, the soil has been tilled up. The soil is ready to receive the seed. And he said it will produce a hundred times as much. Now, Jesus makes this statement repeatedly in Scripture. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Which means, I, I want you to pay attention and understand this truth. You better get it. Even in Mark chapter 4, same story. Mark captures the same parable, if you will. Verse 13, Mark makes this statement. He said, Jesus was saying, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how are you going to understand any of the parables I teach? which I take away this right here, you better get this teaching. As a believer, you better get it. No matter where you're at in the process, you better get this teaching. Jesus had been performing miracles. Jesus is performing these healings. People are experiencing the healing power of Christ being present with them. He's setting people free. People are experiencing, man, like great release from bondage. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees and the religious people, they rejected him, and, and, and they came against him, and they even ascribed to Jesus, what you're doing is of the devil. They, they were hard-hearted, got it? He who had has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus, when he says that, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, where God had raised up Isaiah the prophet, and Isaiah goes into the people, and he goes, you people claim to know God. Yes. You, you people claim to follow God, but you won't repent, and you won't obey, and you won't listen, and you won't and these people, the Pharisees in this religious group, that's like, let's go hear what he's got to say. They know the teachings of Isaiah. So when Jesus gets here in this teaching, they are very familiar that he's emphasizing, you've got hard hearts. You don't want to hear. You, you, you claim you hear, but you don't listen. You, you claim you see what I'm doing, but you don't understand. Stop. Stop. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. 
as we unpackage the remainder of this parable, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit right now to show you what is the condition of the soil of your heart? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person in this room, including me, that we would, Lord, speak. We want to hear you. Lord, speak. We want to see it. We want to understand it. Lord, would you expose inside of each and every one of us right now, what is the condition of the soil of my heart? Lord, you tell us that you desire for each and every one of us to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Show us the soil condition of our heart. In Christ's name, amen. Now, the parable is this, verse 11. This is what Jesus says. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So when you see the word seed here, what's he talking about? He's talking about God's word. That's the seed. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the seed, the word of God, remains forever. The seed. The seed is not our opinions. The seed is not our ideas. The the seed is not our preferences. The seed is not our denominational affiliation marinade. The seed is the word of God. The sower of the seed is anybody who shares God's truth. Today I open the word. Luke chapter 8, I am a sower of the seed. Every time you share your faith and you share the gospel with a coworker or a friend or a neighbor, you're sowing seed. Every morning, if you get up and spend time praying and you're spending time in the word, the Holy Spirit is the sower of the seed that will cause it to take root in your heart. When you ponder this passage, God doesn't care who and when and where his seed is spread. He just wants his word scattered and taught. That's what we take away. I just don't know if this is a good place for me to share his word. Throw seed. Just throw it. Jesus would share the seed of the gospel with the disciples. Jesus would share the seed of the word with the masses and the multitude. Jesus shared the seed with the Pharisees, with the tax collectors, with the religious. He scattered the seed wherever he went, all over the place. Some were ready, some weren't. Some received, some rejected. It's like, that's cool. Throw the seed. All right, share the gospel. Talk about how I'm God. Talk about how I created people in my image. Talk about how I love them. Talk about how I nailed my son to the cross to redeem them of their sin. Talk about how I raised my son on the third day to offer life and hope. Talk about how they can have a personal relationship with me. Just tell them. Tell them I'm seated at the right hand of the Father and I'm not going to leave them. I sent the Holy Spirit. Tell them I want to lead them every day. Tell them I want to guide them. Tell them I'll never abandon them. Tell them. Just tell them. What do they don't? They don't want to hear it. Tell them. Just tell them. Okay. Those beside the road, verse 12, 
the beaten path, or those who hear. You'll notice all four of these soils when he talks about them, they all hear. They hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and will not be saved. Remember I said they were calloused, hard-hearted. When the word of God is preached, the devil does his best to keep you in a hardened state so that you will not respond to the word of God. You will not receive the word of God. There's people sitting in here right now. You, You come in here occasionally, you sit here, but you still got a hard heart. You're not open. You're not receptive. You hear and you see some of this stuff and you even witness baptism and you go, that's kind of cool. But, but you don't believe. And he says they don't believe and they're not saved. The word saved here means that you say, yes, Jesus, I will follow your agenda. I will do what you ask me to do. I'll go wherever you ask me to go. I, I, I'm, I'm turning the reins and rule over to you. Saved here means that you get on God's page and go, yes, I, I'm going to follow you. I, I, I don't want to live in sin. I want to do life in such a way that it honors you. Yes, I get that you want me to, to live a life that's holy and righteous and set apart to you. Yes, 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 hard-hearted people. Not responding to that. Callous, not, not responding. Goes in one ear and out the other. What's wrong with that person? I'll tell you what's wrong based on the scripture. The devil is inside their head. The devil has their mind. The devil is keeping that seed from entering into their heart. They, they don't want to understand it. They don't want to act on it. They want to believe it. They, they reject it. The devil is stealing your heart. You ever been there, Tim? Yes. Yes. All those years in my teenage years, moving through that, go to church. I don't want to know the devil. Somebody would share the word and the devil, the bird says, whoop, you don't want that. You want to feed your flesh. You want to live for you. Man, you're going to miss out on all this fun. You're going to miss out. The fear of missing out, man. You look, look at what you're going to give up. You don't want that. I gave up nothing when I came to faith in Christ looking back. But at the time, I thought I was I'm giving up everything. And it's like, no. The devil was jacking with me. I had given the enemy permission to lie to me, and I bought his lies. The second soil represents those that are on rocky soil, they're, they're contaminated. Those on rocky soil, listen to what he says. They hear, and they even receive the word with joy, yes! But they have no firm root. They believe for a while, and then in the time of temptation, they fall away. We, we've seen people, man, life is just falling apart. Marriages falling apart. Kids raising hell out just crazy stuff. Finances falling apart. Oh, I ain't been to church in 20 years. They come in, they hear the word, the seed. Oh yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's what I've been looking for. But they never develop any spiritual root system. And all of a sudden temptation comes their way. And because they haven't dealt with the root of the sin in their life, they cave in to temptation. 
I'm telling you right now, we're living in a culture where for so many, these rocks are suffocating the seed. Pornography and sexual sin. I'm telling you, what a boulder. We live in this drug epidemic, just crazy world. And so many people succumb to drugs and alcohol. So many people, they buy into the American dream, which is Satan's lie, that you need to have all this materialistic good that's gonna bring you joy. And, and they say, yes, I need Jesus. But they never deal with the rocks in their life. First John 2, 16 says, I'm telling you, man, the rocks are the temptations, and it's the lust of the eyes, and it's the lust of the flesh, and it's the pride of life, and you gotta be willing to deal with those rocks in your life. And I've known so many people over the years that they come and they go, I'm gonna follow the Lord. But they don't deal with the rocks. They allow those rocks to still stay occupied in their heart, whatever it is. And they don't trust God. And I've seen people even here recently that said yes, but they never develop a root system. And they never develop dependence on the Lord. And all of a sudden you go, what happened to them? And they end up destroying their lives. They destroy their families. They destroy their kids. They destroy their health. And I've seen some die here recently that said, yes, that's what I want but never dealt with the rocks. And there's people under my voice this morning. You go, man, I got some rocks in my life. But I've never dealt with them. And, and I know where I'm probably gonna fall and screw it up and sin again and hijack it. I, I go back to the same areas. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, if you will trust me as the master farmer to come into your life, I promise you, we can get rid of those rocks. It's going to take a while to get rid of some of those rocks. Some of those rocks are deep. Some of those rocks are buried. Some of those rocks have been there for a while. And there's so many people in the Southern culture that claim to be followers of Jesus. And, and, and you're like, man, where's the fruit? Proof is in the pudding, right? What are the rocks in your life? Well, yours. Where are you most tempted to sin the most? If you prayed earlier and said, hey, Lord, whatever you show me to do, I'm going to do it. What rocks is he telling you that you better deal with immediately? Don't you want to honor him? Don't you want to be a fruit-producing, productive, like really disciple of Jesus? I do. So tell me, what, what, what do I do? One, I would tell you this. Believe that God will never lead you into temptation. That's what we, we, we read in Scripture, Drew. Even when Jesus said, hey, when you pray and pray this, Father, lead us not into temptation, which means, God, give me the desire to avoid sin and honor you above all. God, give me a desire to honor you. You will never lead me into temptation. Let no one say when he's being tempted, he's being tempted by God. God doesn't tempt anyone with sin. God, give me a desire to avoid sin. And, 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 and as you pray and press in, what, what else can I do? You, you, you have to take ownership of avoiding tempting situations. My kids have heard it a million times, but you've got to watch your playgrounds, what arenas are you hanging out in? Where are you more apt and tempted to sin? What's your playmates? Man, 
Who are you hanging out with? It's not walking in the right direction. Watch your play toys. You've got to own that. Nobody else can own that for you. I mean, those areas that you know are rocky soil, and you're going, I'm going back over to the same place with the same people, and guess what? You're going to end up doing the same thing. And I saw the rocks, but, but I'm not going to avoid the rocks. What, what else can I do if that's where I'm at? You can draw near to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Promise. Promise. Draw near to God, press into God. That's what James says. If you'll get close to the Lord and walk with the Lord, then you go, Satan, you're a liar. And Jesus has come to destroy your works. He's my Lord, I'm walking with him. Oh, but look at how much good that would be and how much fun and how that would satisfy your flesh. That is a lie straight from hell and leads to destruction. Yeah. What else can I do, Tim? I would encourage you, something that helped me early on in my journey was to hang around godly influences. If I had to eliminate certain playgrounds, playmates, and play toys, I started like, that person right there really wants to walk with the Lord. And that's why it's so important to get involved in small groups and to be a part of some of the spiritual formation stuff we've got going on here because you get like-minded people. But even when we get in these groups, like Chad, uh, man, I've been a part of the faith for years. Drew, Nick, myself, Neil, some of us. We're, we're in this study together, and guess what? We're all still jacked up in areas. You all listen to some of these stories. You go, I thought that guy right there was walking with Jesus. He is. He just got a noticeable limp in areas like I do. Right? What, what's going on there? You still struggle with that? I mean, the soul talk that we have, Dallas, is crazy. Get some godly influences. Get in godly community. Third soil, the seed which fell among the thorns. They're the ones who have heard. They all hear. As they go on their way, oh, yeah, I hear it. It gets choked with the worries and riches and the pleasures of this life, and it brings absolutely no fruit to maturity. Shh, listen. This soil right here, I believe, is the most dangerous soil for church people today. I believe that this soil represents so many people that attend church today. Why do you say that, Tim? Because they've allowed good things to become their God things. Food is good. It's given by God. For some, it's a God. Recreation is good. For some, it's a God. Certain places to be able to go, that's, that's a good place to go. For some, it's become a God. Sports, hobbies. Oh, brother, we were going to be there, but we went hiking. I got you. Oh, brother, sorry I missed, man. We were fishing. Again, you're fishing, fishing. Oh, man, I met with the Lord big time out there today. I'm, I'm sure you did. Yeah, good job. But we get into sports, and we get so consumed with these different things, like going on vacation. Hey, man, I was going to be there, but I had all these projects around the house I had to get caught up on. And, it, it, it didn't, and you look at it, and you go, these are not bad things. No. But when a good thing becomes a God thing, it becomes a wicked thing in our life. It becomes a thorn 
got these thorns, man. I've allowed some things to take the place of God in my life, and they're choking out the word, and they're choking out the seed, and, and the seed's trying to grow. But like I said, these thorns, man, no farmer's going to go over there and go, let me, let me try to get that plant that's growing, because if I get pricked, man, it's going to be, and, and it's like, it's not happening. We get so busy. Oh, man, you just don't know how busy I am, brother, really, that we have no time for the things of God. I would love to have those conversations with people. This is an ongoing conversation I have oftentimes with people. Michael, how you doing? Oh, brother, good, just busy. There you go. There you go. How you doing, Rach? Good, good, I'm just busy. I would love for a believer to look at me and go, how are you doing? Joseph, you know what, brother? I feel like I am being a useful member of, of Christ for the kingdom of God, and I feel like I've lived a purposeful week for the glory of God. Do you know that we accept others' nonsense answer of saying, how are you doing busy? Because we want them to accept our nonsense answer too. Tim, shut up, man. Don't, don't go there, dude. No, don't be playing that game with us this morning. How are you doing? I, I really feel like I'm staying plugged in. How are you doing? You're not going to believe it, but the Holy Spirit's been working in my life, and I've been really asking the Lord to lead me and just, like, what do you want me to know and what do you want me to do? I'm telling you, this week I feel like God has really helped me realign some priorities in my life. Really, that, 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 that's, that's good. How are you doing? I'm just busy, man. I'm busy. I don't have time to attend church. I rarely show up there. I don't have time to really set up a devotional plan and, and get into a uh, spiritual formation game plan for my soul. I, I don't have much time for the word, and I don't have any time for prayer. I, I know, t- Tim, I know I need to do that. Oh, you do? You, you know you need to do it? Yeah. Do you want to do it? I, 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 I know I need to. You don't think I've had these conversations repeatedly with people? Why are you disengaged? I just didn't like that church. Oh, 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 oh. Let me go ahead and give you a clue on something. When you study this text right here, the problem is not with the seed. And the problem is not with the sower of the seed. The problem is with the condition of your soil. So you come up in here and say, brother, we started coming, man, because that other church, oh, the other sower is the problem. If you tell me that your ultimate reason for leaving where you left was because the other sower was no good, guess what you're going to come to the conclusion in just a few short months with? I'm going to tell you what my problem is. Cash is a bad sower. When's the last time you said, ooh, drop the window, pick up the mirror and go, how's the soil of my heart? Why do you want to go there? Because so many of us get consumed, that's what he said, worries, cares of the world, riches, the pleasures of life. And we spend all this money on ourselves trying to find happiness, 
And as a result of spending all this money on ourselves in the pursuit of this hedonistic lifestyle of trying to find happiness, we create this debt that we shouldn't have, which then leads us to having these obligations, which all is about, what, what, how'd you get in debt? It was hedonistic seeking pleasure and riches. That's where, you, that's, that's where the soil is. Stop. I'm telling you, this third soil, man, if we can get this one cleaned up before the Lord, we spend all this time doing blank, and it's like, no, nah, I didn't have any time with the Lord. And, and we feel like, honestly, for some people, we go to church on Sunday, and we got 80 minutes, we hang out over there, and we got 10,080 minutes in a week. Do the math on it. 10,080. We give God like, oh, I went to church for 80 minutes, and we feel like, Robert, somebody should come and give us a gold medal like you the winner, dude. You the man. What a stud you are. Really? That's the, yeah, I went to church. For some people, that's their first step, and I do applaud that. But for other people who say, man, I know the Lord. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. And you look at them, you're like, I've seen snails crawl faster. <laughs> because we don't deal with the condition of our heart. And the things... The things, good things, become God things, start choking it out. So what, what, what can I do? There's a lot you can do here. I want to help you get healthy soil. But you've got to deal with rocks in your life, and you've got to deal with that callous stuff in your life, and you've got to deal with the thorns in your life. How can I get rid of it? One, you've got to pray. Lord, show me, show me what I care about. Show me where, what I call to be riches. Show me why I give so much time toward that pleasure right there. God, show me my heart. And then, Lord, help me to treasure what you treasure. And, Lord, help me to start to value what you value. And, Lord, help me to start to love what you love. And, Lord, help me start to, to bless what you're blessing. Lord, it's my heart. It's my heart. The reason I don't give, the reason I don't share, the reason I don't serve, it's my heart. And then I would tell you, set your affection on the things above. That's what Paul said in Colossians. Set your affection on the things above where Christ is seated. It's like, all right, I'm starting to understand what God values and treasures and loves. And that, that, that's where I'm going. We live in this materialistic age, and you've got to make a resolve. I'm going to give away most of this stuff. I don't need it anyway. God's called me to live a generous life. I'm, I'm pondering this. We'll get to it like, who knows how long it'll be before we get to Luke 19, but we're going to get to Zacchaeus one day. It'll be fun when we get, finally get to him maybe around Thanksgiving. But anyway, all <laughs> right. But you remember the conversation Jesus had with that guy? And Jesus looks and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, I, I know you're a stinking fraud. You're, you're ripping people off. You dog people. Nobody likes you. You're a cheat. I'm coming to hang at your house tonight. Coming to hang with me. I'm coming to hang with you. Yeah, I'm coming to hang out at your, your house. So Jesus comes over and hangs out with Zacchaeus. And all Zacchaeus is doing is just being with Jesus, just getting loved on by Jesus. 
by seeing the heart of Jesus, by seeing the compassion of Jesus, by seeing that Jesus is greater than stealing, ripping people off, anything else. He's just hanging with Jesus. Jesus never one time looks at him and says, let me tell you what I expect from you. Doesn't do it. All Zacchaeus does is gets with Jesus. And Zacchaeus says, you know what? All them people I've ripped off, I'm going to pay them back four times when I ripped off. Did Jesus tell him to do it? No, he didn't tell him to do it. When Jesus started to change that guy's heart because he was open to a heart change, he goes, let me tell you what I want to do. I got to get some things right. Generosity was the overflow of the soil of his heart being right with God. And we oftentimes think if we really hang with Jesus, he's going to go, here's what I demand. Here's what I expect. Here's what you've got to do. That's not the way he works. Why don't you come and hang with me? I want to free you of burdens. I want to free you of all this baggage you've been carrying around. Yeah. Get rid of the thorns. Don't just mow over them. Dig, here's a thorn in my life that's choking out the seed of the gospel. Then he says in verse 15, but, 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 he uses this like, and another seed, and another seed, uh, uh, another seed fell in this soil, and another one fell in this soil, but, 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 the seed in the good soil. Listen to this. Those are the ones who have heard the word, have heard it. They've got an honest, good heart. The soil is right. They hold fast to it. Nothing chokes it out. Nothing smothers it. And they bear fruit. The good soil. This is the soil God wants us to be. I hear it. Understand it. Receive it. Respond to it. I obey it. I implement it. I share it with other people. What do you want me to know? Okay, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to bless? What do you want me to know, Lord? And we do it. If I'm going to live a life that pleases God, I don't complicate all this stuff. I get with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you don't get this story here, if you don't get this parable here, parable, earthly story with a heavenly truth, if you don't get this come alongside that I'm sharing with you, you're not going to understand anything else because man looks at the outward appearance, but I look, look, look at the heart. I just want your heart. You want my heart? Yes. And as God got my heart and I cried out to him, that callous stuff inside of me started to erode. And the rocks that I had in my life, once I gave Jesus my heart, he's like, so you want to continue to go out and drink like a guppy? I'm like, no. I don't, I don't even know why I was doing that in the first place. You want to continue to do? No, I don't even want to. I've been with you and you've got my heart. I just want to honor you. I, just want, I, don't, I don't want to do anything that would potentially hinder our friendship. Okay, cool. Let's, let's keep working in your heart. And I don't want to do anything that would hinder the friendship with Jesus. Jesus. 